Welcome to the Rotten Round Table. <laughs> What's up and welcome to the horror cast episode number 96. This is one of our rotten round table episodes. These are the episodes where we just talk about horror news, talk about what's coming up in the next month. And then we go around the rotten round table and talk about what each host has been watching over the last couple of weeks. So what we normally get is just a ton of movies discussed, lots of recommendations, lots of avoids, old movies, new movies. If they're newer movies, we won't spoil them, but it's just a good time to talk about all the stuff we've been watching. You might even hear about some TV stuff. Who knows? I'm one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nato, and I'm going to bring in the Taminator. What's up, Taminator? Hi, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Let's bring in Brandon Young. Brandon's been uh, missing in action for a little bit, so he's back with us tonight. What's up, Brandon? What's up, guys? Glad to be with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, dealing with my uh, crazy family situation. As I've told you, my toddler is currently having night terrors and sleep issues, so I've been sleeping on the floor of a three-year-old room for the last couple months, and that definitely interferes with my podcast. We We've been there. We've been there. Family always comes first, brother. That's so, why. That's part of why I love this show, man. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things are uh, getting better for him. Uh, yeah, I think we're getting there. He's he's started to turn around a little bit on a couple things, and my wife and I are both off work this week, so a little more a uh, little more flexibility for us this week. Sounds good, man. Glad to have you back. And let's bring in last but not least, Revenant Vin. Hey. Uh, my kids are fortunately sleeping through the night, so that's all I got to say. Way to show off. That's right. <laughs> Don't knock on the wood, buddy. Nope. <laughs> it can change at the drop of a hat, can it? Absolutely. My, my nine-year-old son had no problem sleeping in his room or whatever for years, and all of a sudden, a couple months ago, he's like sleeping in the living room on the couch. I'm like, Okay. Why are you doing that? Uh, it's closer to you guys. Okay. Yeah, my son is, uh, he just turned eight and he kind of pulled that last week a little mm-hmm. bit. My my wife has been sleeping downstairs on the couch more often because it's just her back has been hurting. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one day she just woke up and he was downstairs. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I was scared of the dark. Like, it's darker downstairs than it is in his bedroom. He's got like <laughs> nightlights all over the place. I'm like, give us that. Uh, <laughs> so he's making excuses. But Yes, yes. All right. Well, glad to have everybody here, and we're going to get it going with the news feed. The news feed. All right. There's not a ton in the news tonight. I'm just going to go through two things. A couple days ago on Bloody Disgusting, they showed a trailer for an anthology from Kevin Smith. 
called Kilroy was here. Have you guys seen this? The trailer? I didn't watch the trailer. Yeah, I heard yeah. about it, but no trailer. I think this is a, a kind of like a slasher, uh, or at least uh, some of the little stories that happen. It says um, it's a theme that runs through all the little stories that happen around Kilroy. He's kind of like a kid Avenger. If you mess with kids, Kilroy will show up. And he looks wonderfully goofy, bald head and a nose that hangs over the face. They've designed something that's kind of horrifying, but also goofy at the same time. All right. What do you guys think about Kevin Smith? I don't want to know the yoga hosers. No, yoga hosers was horrible. Did anybody hear like Tusk? I did. I thought You like Tusk? Tusk? Yeah, I thought it was, it was all right. It was bizarre and ridiculous, but I liked it. I thought it was okay. I thought Johnny Depp ruined the movie. I think he was a little... A little over the top. Now, I did like uh, Red State, yeah. which which is probably closer to just a straight up, you know, more horror movie that he's done. Because I don't remember that being too campy or goofy. Probably needs a rewatch. But yeah, so we'll see. Uh, Smith compared the latest horror movie to Creep Show. Okay, first of all, big shoes to fill. Okay, don't don't <laughs> compare your uh, anthology movie to Creep Show because that's arguably one of the best uh, horror anthologies ever. Um, but it's also in the same vein as VHS. So there you go. It is uh, technically a horror comedy. Just wanted to throw that out there. Again, told you it's a slow news night. Last thing is Fright Fest 2020. Their festival this year will be digital. August 27th through 31st, showcasing 25 films. I'm going to go through a couple of the the films that are supposed to be uh, debuting. Uh, Sky Sharks, uh, <laughs> okay, with Mick Garris, Tony Todd. I'm not sure. Uh, the sea is not enough. Deep in the ice of the Antarctic, a team of geologists uncover an old Nazi laboratory where dark experiments had occurred. In order to conquer the world, the Nazis created modified sharks which were able to fly and whose riders were genetically mutated. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this is not going to be up my alley. That's just all I'm going to say. It looks like Sharknado with a dude riding a shark. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not sure about that. Uh, next one. There's no such thing as vampires. Uh, get ready for the fright night of your life as the opening frames of visual stylist Logan Thompson's turbocharged terror thunders into a breakneck chase that takes place over a 36-hour period. Stranger heroes Joshua and Ariel literally crash into each other along a dark road in the dead of night and before long find themselves pursued across North America, the target of an unstoppable supernatural force. Drawing inspiration from the Terminator, Mad Max, and John Carpenter's output, the pace, frenzy, and superior special effects whip up a powerful fury of fun, exciting, and nail-biting storytelling. That one sounds okay. Anytime you throw out John Carpenter, I'm, I'm, I'm in, even though he's not, you know, anything to do with it. But And two more. 12-hour shift in 1999, the Y2 bug crisis is news, and at a seedy Arkansas hospital, junkie nurse Mandy is about to work a double shift, but patient care is not on the top of her agenda. She's in the organ trafficking business. Oh, boy. 
a kidney that she is ready to uh, give to her cousin, who's the pickup guy, gets misplaced, and Mandy must find another source or else she's toast. Oh, boy. So there you go. There's some uh, organ-stealing horror. There's a bunch more, but I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to give you the titles and tell me if, if, if they sound good. Um, I Am Lisa. Mm, I don't know about that. Triggered. That definitely sounds good. The Columnist. The Horror Crowd. Blind. Don't Click. The Honeymoon Phase. Playhouse. They're Outside. Dark Place. Skull the Mask. This one is uh, one that's been getting some buzz. Skull the Mask. Hail to the Deadites, which is a documentary about the Evil Dead and the 1981 cult classic. And A Ghost Waits. So there's a bunch of different ones. Uh, They're also playing some stuff that's been out. Aqua Slash, Two Heads Creek, that kind of stuff. But if they're still uh, available, why don't you just buy yourself a ticket and watch everything from the comfort of your own home. I don't. Is that available in the United States, you think? Okay, if you're interested in tickets, they will go on sale August 1st. And, oh, there you go. Films will be geo-locked for viewers in the UK only. Daggummit. Hmm. So, Duncan McLeish will see all these movies. None of us will. So, if you are a listener in the UK, then you're, you're, you've got it down, so... All right, well, that was all the news, and we're going to get into uh, Mark Your Calendars. Woohoo! Woohoo! Mark Calendars! Mark Calendars! Stinking movie after movie that's supposed to go to the theaters is just biting the dust. You know, they, they've uh, already taken things that were supposed to come out in March and April and May, and they've pushed them back to September, October. Now they're taking them out of those dates and, and just pushing them to next year. So, honestly, there's not a ton of stuff. I did want to go through a few things. Um, August 4th, there's a movie called Starlight. Stars Scout Taylor Compton. And uh, I think it's a little bit more like a thriller. But I'm just going to mention it. On the 7th of August, uh, Blackwater Abyss comes out, which is a crocodile, alligator type thing. Uh, Also, She Dies Tomorrow and Below the Fold. And then on the 8th, a movie called Limbo comes out on the 11th of August. You you, you do hear this right. Uncle Peckerhead. Yes, Uncle Peckerhead <laughs> comes out. Um, the 14th of August, something that comes out that really is interesting to me. Uh, it's called Sputnik. Has anybody heard about this? Yes. You Have, have you heard about it? I mean, it, looked, it sounds really good, doesn't it? it yeah, it's like, like a space travel science fiction creature feature type thing. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes on that on the 16th of August on HBO Lovecraft country premieres. So I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. Um, And then on Hulu on the 16th uh, behind you is premiering Uh, behind you has, has already come out. I watched it. I don't know, maybe in April or May on iTunes or something. So uh, I guess maybe Hulu liked it a lot and is giving it more of a, a stage. And it was a decent it was a decent movie. It's not like incredible, but it's okay. Here's the one thing about this month. I still haven't heard anything about the Into the Dark series. Have you heard anything, Tammy? No, actually. I just watched the July one, but I haven't heard anything about August. Yeah, usually by this 
date mm-hmm. this late in the uh, the month, they will have the next months already lined up. And it leads me to believe that the movies that they already had finished are yeah. done and that there's probably not one coming uh, in August until they... I hope not, but... Also on the 18th of August, The Barge People and Open 24 Hours, both of which I'll talk about later tonight. The 21st is supposed to be Antebellum. Do not get your hopes up for that. That will be postponed. I'm almost sure of it. Yeah. And then they took Peninsula, which is the train to Busan uh, part two. That was supposed to come out on August 7th. Now they have said it's coming out August 21st. I still don't see how that gets a, a theatrical release. I mean, I just don't see it um, unless they go straight to VOD. But they were trying to get it into cinemas. And then uh, a horror kind of Western that I've been looking forward to also comes out on the 21st. It's called The Pale Door. August 25th, a movie called Diary. And then August 28th, again, don't get your hopes up. Destined to be changed again for like the 12th time is The New Mutants. This is is not going to come out on the 28th at the theaters. It's just not going to. Does anybody else agree? Yep. I, I doubt it. Yeah, I mean the theaters in my my area are, are not even open yet. So I know there are some drive-ins, and I know that some areas have uh, theaters that are open, wa- playing like '80s, '90s movies and classics and stuff like that. None, none of my theaters around me are even open for anything. So, yeah, guys, it just looks like there's nothing going to come out at the theater for the rest of this year, at least. Uh, barring a miracle. So let's just get used to it. Let's kind of focus in on what's coming out on VOD and, and all of that and make the best of it. That's all I got to say. And I think it's actually been a pretty decent year for horror, regardless of the fact that there's been hardly any theatrical releases. Um, so we'll go, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go around the rotten round table and talk about what we've been watching. Like, can you play the wake up playlist? Do you like this one? Turn that up. Louder. Alice. Oh my God, what is that? Don't touch it. I know it's a great song with its catchy melody and sing-along lyrics, but we cannot play that song. It's only a song. I'm just gonna play it one more time. Don't! Stop! Killer songs you can't resist. Spotify. Okay, we are back, and we're going to go around the Rotten Roundtable and talk about what we've been watching over the last couple of weeks. And we're going to start with Brandon, since Brandon hasn't been around for a little while, and just give him the floor. What have you been watching, Brandon? Well, I'm honored, and again, glad to be back. Um, The first thing I'm going to mention is not horror, but... uh, the subject matter is horror related. Have any of you watched inmate number one, the Danny Trejo documentary? I have not. <laughs> no. 
So that uh, I watched that a couple days ago. Um, I mean, I feel like who who really hasn't been a Danny Trejo fan? I think there's just some about him that is incredibly likable, and that goes back as far as I ever saw him in a movie. I've always been fascinated by him though because of his backstory, being that he was in prison for a long time. Like he was a real, like he was a real gangster. He was the real deal. And I think I've, I think the first thing I remember seeing him in was probably, um, was it Blood In Blood Out? I guess, or was it American Me? I don't remember which one he was in. But uh, so this documentary, it kind of tells his story from his growing up to many years in prison to then how he broke into the movie business. And of course we know Danny Trejo from tons of different movies and, and many of those horror movies. Uh, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I given that like a nine or 10 out of 10, like for a documentary, I just thought it was great. I think I also kind of relate and connect to him too, because a big part of his story is the fact that he's in recovery from mm-hmm. substance abuse. And I am too. And it's guys like him, you know, sharing their story that helped keep me sober. So it's really good, man. I recommend it. And uh, just, uh, he's such a cool, classy guy and he works so hard and he does a lot for his community. So I definitely recommend that. So that's what was the name of it again? Inmate number one, the rise where of Danny did you, Trejo. Where'd you watch it? I, uh, I got that on, on demand. Okay. So yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't remember exactly what service I got it on, but it's a hundred percent worth it. It's really good, man. All right. Sounds good. Inmate number one. Let's, uh, yeah, I said me. Yay. I get together next. I'm going to steal Tammy's. No, I'm just, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you, but I might steal somebody else's. I'm not sure. Uh, I watched a ton of uh, of stuff. Uh, I almost said crap, but, uh, that's (laughs) actually not the case. A lot of times I will have a, a large pile of crap and man, I was really, really excited that i watched a bunch of actually good movies this time and i think that uh yeah many of them uh, are in my top 20 of the year so far so the one that has been getting probably the most amount of press is dave franco's directorial debut the the rental has anybody else watched the rental yet i did Uh, it just came out what day before yesterday i think right uh, was it? It might have been the day before yesterday, but it, it's on Prime Video. It's on Video on Demand, and basically, what you've got is you've got um, two couples and one, two brothers. One is um, the older brother; the other one is the younger brother that always screws up, and <laughs> they're they're girlfriends, and they go up to this the rental house for the weekend just to kind of celebrate and they get a good price on so it's, it's really a phenomenal property and they get up there and the the guy who uh, is the property manager is kind of creepy not really creepy he's just kind of like a, a butthole and just some some relationship drama happens it, it's good acting it's good writing uh it's a little bit slow to start um there's a little hint here and there that something might not not necessarily be right and literally the last 15 minutes of this movie it, it just hits the fan <laughs> it just hits the fan yeah. yes because there's something happening there i'm not going to spoil it let's just say all hell breaks loose and we go from there uh, I, I i like this movie a lot this is going to be a movie that to me could be a franchise if if it's done right, yeah. but I think that a lot of people will say that this movie takes too long 
to get going. It, it really is just kind of like relationship turmoil and a couple of things here and there that seem weird for about an hour or so. And then, like I said, the last 15, 20 minutes, things really pick up. Um, but I think that last 20 minutes is so good that it really uh, catapults it into a great movie to, to watch. I, I enjoyed it tremendously. Did you like it, Tammy? I absolutely loved it. And I would hey, everybody go into this knowing as little as you can. That would be my advice. And yes, it is slow, but the payoff is completely worth it. Completely. Yeah, yeah I agree. And it's really, you know, it's lifted. It's not just a, a crappy relationship drama without like good writing and good acting because you've got Dan Stevens, uh, who was a really good actor. He's been Downton Abbey. He's in the guest. He's been on, been in lots of movies. You got Alison Brie. Uh, the reason yeah. she's in this movie is cause she's married to Dave Franco. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she probably didn't even get paid, but, um, so there's, there's good acting in the movie. Um, Sheila Vand is also in this movie. Jeremy Allen White. Uh, those are the main four. But and, I really uh, like yeah. Toby Huss. He's the one that plays Taylor, like the yeah. groundskeeper. I really like him. He's been... I know him most from like Halt and Catch Fire, but he's one of those actors that just kind of like shows up when you see him. You'd be like, I know, I've seen that guy before. I just really like him. But yeah. I think the, 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 it's so slow at the beginning because they're really just trying to make you feel like really comfortable, I think. And mm-hmm. you have no idea what's coming. You know, it's almost like you're on vacation with these people. It's just kind of like hanging out with your friends and then all of a sudden whammo. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, one where you get to know the, the characters. And here's the here's the only problem that I have with the movie is I didn't really like any of the characters except for no. Allison Brie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. they do some despicable things. Yes. And they, they, I, I wanted to like them more, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. when some, when stuff started happening, I was like, good, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you were a yeah. bubble. But yes. other than that, um, and, and I'll say this, that the very end, right before the credits, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was like, oh my gosh. And I can't even say what it is, but No, I know, I know it's like man, that yeah. I'd like to see that. I'd like to keep it going. That's why I said it could be like a franchise. You know what I'm saying? Like this 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 happens more than than once. Well, especially because, I mean, it's one of those endings that's very frustrating if you need to, you know, get your nice little bow at the end. Forget it. You you don't get anything close to that. But they tease you like you're gonna. And you don't. I like the fact that that you don't get an answer. I like the fact that it's just completely ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no rhyme or reason. I like that. That's why I liked uh, Halloween 1978 so much. Yeah. Because... There was just no rhyme or reason. Dude was just nuts. It's like um, the feeling like after the very first time I ever saw The Strangers, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, wh- wh- what did I just watch? And yeah. why did they do that? And you never get an answer. Yeah. yeah. Similar. Similar. Yeah. yeah. So did anybody else see this one yet? 
Not yet. It's on the list. No. Yeah, not yet. You didn't watch it yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know you had to pay for this, so I know Vin will be like, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Vin is a, a prime a prime guy all the way. If I wait long enough, it usually ends up on Prime or Netflix or something like that yes. before the end of the year. So I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> You have you have so much more um, strength of character than I do. I just can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. You have so much more patience. I can't do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll put Soon it up to a virtue out. for me. That's, yes, that's yeah. fun. You know, All right. T- Tammy, just since you mentioned it, and it's related, since you mentioned The Strangers, I don't know if you guys heard, but they just released that they're doing a collector's edition of The Strangers. And they actually, like, so it's remastered, and they actually got, like, Liv Tyler to come back and do... Uh, an interview for it, and there's different cuts of it on there that we haven't seen before, so it should be Ooh, pretty good. Who's that doing that? Great. I don't remember. I can. I'll, I just. I just saw the announcement about it today. It's one of my favorites. That that movie oh, yeah. messed me up. Yep, me that too. movie messed me up. Yep. 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 So, all right, Tammy, you're up. All right. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love how she's like because she's like I get to say a good one. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Like you, I feel like for the first time in a while, like I don't have anything for the pile of crap, and I actually watched a fair amount of stuff. So I am bringing what I believe might be sitting in my number one spot for the year right now, <laughs> and that and that is Blood Vessel. Oh yes. Anybody else seen it? Yes. Yeah, I think no. Nope. Nobody else? Okay. No, Vin? Nope. Hey, come it. <laughs> Vin would like this one. Yes, he would really like this one. Um, I want to say as little as possible, but the gist is it's uh, late 1945, and there's these survivors of a torpedoed hospital boat that are out of food and water and hope and are kind of floating, drifting aimlessly in a life raft when suddenly a German minesweeper, which is like this huge ship, ominously appears out of the fog with no signs of life. And I think there's like seven of them, uh, all guys and one girl, and they managed to get on board only to find that the Nazis were carrying some very deadly and dangerous cargo. And that's all I'm going to say. Yes. And the ship, not, the ship is, is abandoned. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they think it's abandoned. It's yes. not, not quite abandoned, but it, it, they think it's kind of like a ghost ship there at the, at the very beginning. But right. Yeah. And this, this one, man, this one blew me away because yes. I wasn't I expecting, was expecting total cheese. Yeah. I wasn't expecting anything. No. And, uh, Pretty much everything about it was was good. Yeah, cinematography was good. Special yeah. effects and makeup were good. Acting and writing was good. I love a good World War II mm-hmm. uh, era uh, film. Um, yeah, so yeah, well, just go, go into this knowing nothing. Right, please. Like, even you're pushing it too far if you even watch the trailer. I didn't even watch the trailer before I watched this. I didn't nope. know anything about it. And it do- there was, like, for the first couple of minutes, I'm like, oh, man, you know, this looks like it could be kind of low budget, but, but it's totally not. But it's it's not like I didn't really know any of the actors. Did you? Not uh, the- I, I knew the captain. 
and okay. he doesn't last long. That's not that no. big of a spoiler. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's the guy that plays the. Um, have you ever seen that? Um, the Longmire uh, series about a yeah. no, sheriff. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. That's yeah, great, I love I love that. It show. is. I just started watching that last week, man, and I'm through five episodes. I'm like, this is phenomenal. Yep. But the guy that plays uh, Walt Longmire is in this movie for about ten minutes, <laughs> so that's not that. It's not really that big of a uh, a spoiler. But um, I I know you said it wasn't like low budget. I, I don't think this movie had a ton of um, money behind it. They just did what you know they're supposed to do. They're supposed to do what they can with what they had, and they man, they just I was blown away. I was you know what? As I was watching it, I was thinking about you because they do so well with the uh, practical effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is, I pretty sure maybe some set pieces aren't, but I think pretty much everything is, is real. Yeah. It's not CGI. I, I didn't see anything that I was like, Oh, crappy CGI. No, nope. everything, everything looked good. And, and, you know, they did a good job of, of hiding things in, in, you know, uh, the darkness. And then also they used a lot of, uh, of that, um, you know, that red emergency light thing that goes off Mm -hmm. on boats like that to give it kind of that Argento, uh, kind of feel in some spots. Mm -hmm. I really, I was blown away because I hadn't even heard about this movie, anything about it. Uh, it popped up on iTunes, I think I paid four ninety nine for it or something. I was like, "Yeah, this is good. I like a good ghosty boat thing." But yep. that's not even necessarily <laughs> what I got. Um, I well, got a lot this, more than for what me, I was bargaining um, for. Popped up on Prime, and I just saw the Nazi in World War Two, and I'm like, "What? I'm in. This is great." And a ghost ship. I think that's one of the scariest. That to me, I don't know. That is just one of the most terrifying thoughts. This abandoned ship, you know. So I was yep. totally into it, and it just exceeded everything I was expecting. I don't, well, I don't even know what I was expecting. But this was just like, whoa, where did this come from? I hadn't even heard of it. Yep. So good. So good. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you. Uh, Justin Dix, D-I-X, the guy who did the directing, and he's got – he produced and directed this and wrote it, and he um, – he was a guy that did special effects in Star Wars Episode 3 and Episode 2. ABCs of Death 2.5 segment M is for Muff. He, did, he produced that. I'm going to go back and watch that because uh, I was impressed with what he did here. So Yeah, me too. Yeah, very good. Blood Vessel. All right, Vin, what'd you watch? Well, I'm going to bring up uh, Joko on Mars' newest horror release, uh, Impedigore. I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> you are. Uh, okay. A shutter release. Uh, Mark, you saw this one? Yes, I did. Did anybody else? No. Nope. No. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Satan Slaves, which uh, was Joko Noir's previous horror uh, release, that was probably, that was in my, I think it was in my, uh, my top 10 of 2018. I think it was maybe like number five. And I do think it's, it's one of the best, I think, Ghost slash haunted house films of the second half of the 2010s. 
Um, really, the only flaw to me in that film is the terrible wig that one of the actors had to wear. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. Otherwise, I think it's pretty flawless. Yeah, um, getting a Blu-ray release. Yeah, I'm excited about that, actually. That um, and uh, Terrified. Both getting a Blu-ray release. So. Yeah, another good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is the first horror film that he also wrote. Um, so uh, we have um, Tara Basso. She was also in Satan Slaves, but she's in this again. She plays Maya, who uh, goes to a remote village. Um, she doesn't know much about her family at all, but she has a reason to believe that maybe she comes from money. And she's somebody who's down on her luck financially. So she wants to go to this remote village to see if basically her family has a house that she can, you know, uh, either live or invest in or use it somehow uh, to, uh, you know, gain financially. And she brings her best friend along with her. And um, I'm trying to be very vague with the plot here, but essentially the the place they go to is not very welcoming to them. Um, And this is sort of like a it's sort of an inverse of folk horror. Um, instead of like unwitting victims being lured to a deadly folk ritual, these kind of unwittingly wander into it mm-hmm. <laughs> and the villagers have to act quickly. Um, the opening scene, I don't want to say what it is, but I thought it was really terrific. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was honestly impressed through most of the film. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said, I, I love Satan slave. So I was, where does it compare for me, um, with that film? And uh, once again, I mean, I think that Joe Noir, he's an incredibly talented filmmaker. Um, he builds great tension. He has a terrific eye. Um, he knows what's creepy. He treats his stories with real thought and affection. His characters feel like three-dimensional people. And I think this is true for both of the films, uh, especially with um, Tara Basso's character. I think her name was Maya. Uh, mm-hmm. And the banter that she has with her friend. And um, Anwar really knows how to set up a shot and use color. Um, and the, the village that throughout the jungle looks kind of amazing. Um, especially when they're in a certain cemetery and you see these graves and trees. Um, and I'm sensing themes with him. Uh, he once again, kind of puts these irreligious protagonists into a supernatural circumstance. Uh, like there's a scene where neither of them knows the prayer for the dead. Um, they realize they don't know much about their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and Islam was dealt with directly in Satan's slaves, even if it was ineffectual. Um, in, but here it's hardly present in this film. This one is definitely more of a folklore uh, horror, which I don't think is common in Indonesia. Um, so there's certainly things in this film that'll be familiar to Western audiences, but I think Anwar is probably bringing something kind of unique and fresh to his homeland. But I could be wrong about that. Um, but anyway, Tarabasso, she's beautiful. She's great. Uh, and I really loved it. Um, it's just... The backstory, I think, was a little bit too complicated when they reveal things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of revealed in a clunky way. Uh, I kind of wish that there was a puzzle with this. There's no, like, aha moment for the audience like mm-hmm. there was with Satan Slaves. Um, you know, and one of the actors, he was, he was too young for a certain plot point. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of distracting when it was revealed. There's no way to get old the, enough to. The, the puppet master guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That guy can't be old enough for that. Um, but I mean, you know, it's there's a little bit of distraction at the end. But overall, it's not bad. Uh, it, the end feels a little bit rushed and it maybe could have been handled differently to be more satisfying. But I still think this is a really good film that people should check out. And I, I do think very highly of it. I agree. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think that it might it might get a little slow there in the middle, like when they're when things are kind of unraveling. Mm-hmm. And, but there is a little bit of a mystery there. You know, you're, there's not like that aha, like twisty type moment, but you, you are, 
drawn into this mystery. Like, what what the heck's going on? It's a mystery in the fact that we don't know what's going on. But I wish it was a mystery that we can solve as an audience. Yeah, if that makes like sense. Maybe yeah. like solve it before she finds out. Yeah, or we we see things along the way that'll help us piece together things, which we yeah. really can't do any of that until there's like a big kind of long reveal at the end. Um, but. Yeah. No, I agree. And by the way, don't. Don't uh, judge this movie by its poster. Its yeah. poster is horrible. <laughs> it's got some really crappy CGI on the eyes of this girl, but it's just crap. But yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was something that I had never seen before. I'll tell you that much. Like the the plot and all of the um, the stuff at the end, how it kind of played out. I, I really hadn't seen anything like that before. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty ingenious. Yeah, he's he's and, a filmmaker original. that I'm definitely uh, keeping an eye out for. Um, yeah. um, he's one I'm going to be excited for every time he releases yeah. something at this point. And that was a creepy house too. Yeah, the setting is great. Yeah, he does I'm a like, really good job with the setting. But when I was reading an interview with him, um, it, it was for like an Asian cinema newspaper or something and he was talking about how some of the scenes were actually filmed in a remote village that was actually like separated Mm -hmm. um they had to build roads to get there and i guess it was something that maybe like the dutch built at one point and you know they're at the dutch left and people kind of stayed there and he was talking about how um you know because there's been a lot more conservative um kind of islamic pressure in the country mm-hmm. uh you know tolerance levels have have depleted um and one of the things that he was talking about in the interview that i thought was really interesting was how the village where they were shooting at was so isolated that they weren't really a part of any of that and he found the people really tolerant there was like a lesbian couple that were like in a house and everything and he said they ended up staying like an extra week in the place just because they felt so welcomed um so it's actually you know these remote villages are maybe sometimes the opposite of what they're depicted at <laughs> in movies yeah. um but yeah. some of the scenes were actually filmed in a remote village yeah you can tell you yeah. can tell it was it was really it was really uh, in a in a good setting there yeah i definitely recommend it in Pythagore. And it's on Shutter. So if you have Shutter, what you waiting on? Mm-hmm. Back to Brandon. You know, so I, I was trying to figure out what to talk about next. And you guys have talked about everything that I've watched before. Um, so I'm just going to throw it way back for a rewatch that I did. So uh, my son and I are preparing for an upcoming episode of our little show we do together. And the theme of that, of our next episode, is kind of movies about isolation or places that you can't really understand. And so uh, the first movie we're going to do is 2001 A Space Odyssey. But the rewatch that we did for the other movie is we rewatched Underwater, which I have not seen since the theater at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see how movies hold up for the second time around that you watch them. And so I, after Port, I don't don't know. How did you guys feel about Underwater in general? It's Tammy's number one of the year. Number so one, worst. I'm just kidding. She hates it. She okay. hates it. I personally liked it a lot. I'm probably in between the two of them, but I, I enjoyed it overall. Okay. Well, then I will, and I'll, I will. I'll preface this with saying I am a big Kristen Stewart apologist, just like I am with Robert Pattinson. I think people crap on them uh, way too much because of Twilight, but I think they're both really good actors. And I, underwater, I liked it just as much, if not maybe even a little more, second time around. So it is, 
it, it is still it's in my I mean it's in my top ten of the year for sure. There's something about this movie that I just really liked, and I don't want to. I'm not going to give any details since you've all seen it, but because uh, I, I think if you don't know what kind of happens at the end and what's portrayed, I think that uh, it's the, for the best. And it was fun watching this time with my family because my son uh, didn't know about the kind of twist or the the creatures that come at that at the end, and he was really excited. So I'm just I like it when you watch it when you find a movie that you enjoyed the first time around, and then when you rewatch it, sometimes they suck, sometimes they're good. And I liked Underwater just as much this time. So nothing new or groundbreaking. You guys have all seen it, but I liked it probably even more upon rewatch. Yeah, this is another one that I have to rewatch. I'll definitely rewatch it before I put my uh, end of the year list together. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what movie Tammy watched because I thought it was really good. So, right, Tammy? <laughs> It's all me. Yes, absolutely. It's all me. I'm wrong. It's and you guys are right. It's you. all me. Yep. All you, girl. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> That's right. I've never, I've never used that excuse ever in my life. So we're back to me. And I'm, I'm going to go with a movie that vaulted into my top five mm. this year. And Ooh. again, I'm 10 movies away from 400. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, dude. So this movie had to do some serious impressing to get in my top five. (laughs) And this is one that just came out a few days ago. It's from the UK and also a little bit, uh, uh, United Arab Emirate. I'm I'm not sure UK gets first listing there, but a lot of the actors are, are definitely uh, Arab. It's called Amulet. Has anybody heard of it? I haven't even heard of it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. have not okay. seen it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Vin, watch this immediately. <laughs> it, if, I mean, you do have to pay six ninety nine on Prime to, to watch it. But, man, this is one of those movies that is so, it's so crazy. Like, at the end, you're like, what did I just watch? What did I just watch? I need to see that again. Did that just happen? Like right now, it's got a 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. These people are stupid. (laughs) Okay. Because what this is, this is a movie. If what you need is nonstop, you know, action. If you need a slasher movie to keep your interest. Okay. You're not going to like this movie. If you liked Hereditary. If you liked uh, The Witch, if you liked those movies that take its time to build characters and that have more to say in the movie than just blood and guts, uh, you you are going to find this movie really good. Um, it's it's a it's a guy um, who's an ex soldier. They're not really uh, they're they're pretty vague on what you know where he is from and. Uh, what war or where he was stationed, but we, we follow him as he is now living homeless in London, but he's flashing back to a time when he was a soldier and we get those flashbacks throughout the the movie. So those flashbacks are tied into what is happening in the story. Um, he is offered a place to stay at a decaying house, uh, inhabited by a young woman and her dying mother. Uh, and he is, 
he's offered this place by this nun, this little old nun who is played brilliantly by, uh, is it Imelda Staunton? If you're a Harry Potter fan, you're going to know her as um, uh, Dolores Umbridge. Oh, yeah. In, in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, she's a very well-known uh, British actress. She is fantastic in this movie. Um, but here's the thing. Is she a really good nun? Or is she kind of sinister? Because she gives him this place to stay. This young woman and her dying mother, who we don't see at first because she's just up up in the attic and she's making all kinds of noises. You know, and we're like, Ugh. He, this guy starts to fall for the girl that's living there. And it just goes from there, man, that we find out all about the mother and what's going on. We see the mother. We see what's happening. And then the, it's just. I've not I've not seen anything like this. That's all I have to say. I've not seen anything like it. And it is called Amulet because he does find an amulet in the woods back when he was a soldier and he keeps it with him. And it does play into uh things. But I, I'm telling you, if you watch this, even though it's slow, you know, it's character building, it's it there's doing a lot, it it will keep your interest if you like these type type of movies. Does it take place in the modern day? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. It takes place in modern day. And I'm telling you, you're not going to know what the heck is happening in, in the last 15, 20 minutes. But at the end, you'll, you'll put it all together. But it, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but it's got a lot of, a lot of themes of like forgiveness and, um, and retribution. And it's even got a little bit of a feminist, um, kind of, uh, you know, twinge to it, but it, it's, it's like I said, top five for me right now. And this, this one, I, I had heard about this one, uh, a while back and it, it had been on my radar because, you know, a decaying house. I didn't know if it was going to be haunted. I didn't know what was, that's just kind of up my alley, religious imagery, that kind of thing. This was up my alley and it did not disappoint. So I'm, I'm looking forward mostly to see what Vin thinks about this movie. So that's amulet. It's on my list and not the amulet, <laughs> just amulet. And it is, yeah. um, like I said, it is on prime video right now for six ninety nine. In my opinion, if you like slow burns and like, just balls to the wall crazy at the end. It, it's well worth six ninety nine. So there you go. Just added it to my list. Sounds good. Yep. But don't sit down. Please don't sit down and watch this and try to do other things. You know, I know a lot of people will, will do that. Like by the way, I kind of did that when I watched uh, a couple of other movies this 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 week. This is not a movie that you can do that with. You really need to pay attention. You need to, uh, you know, give it your full attention. So there you go. All right, Tammy. So I said I didn't have anything for the pile of crap, but because I had such a hard time understanding this, I don't know if it belongs on the pile of crap or not. And that is the latest Into the Dark, the, the current occupant. Did anybody else watch it? No. 
No, I didn't watch it yet. Okay. Well, again, I think it's another, you know, so it's the July one. It's a little on the nose. Um, You know, I think obviously, and I will not say this is myself saying this, but, you know, there's some belief that maybe Trump is just a, a, a puppet for some very powerful people. And this is basically that story. So it's kind of just on the nose. And I think it's another waste of a good holiday by making something that I think they're trying to make it. So is he crazy? Is he not crazy? They don't give you an answer. So basically this guy wakes up in a, I guess it's an insane asylum. And they're trying to convince him that he's crazy and just thinks he was the president. And they just keep asking him over and over. He's convinced that he was the president and the uh, vice president just wanted to take over power. So they've got him hidden in the secret bunker under the White House. And it's very convoluted. And there's a lot of like trippy drugs. It's very like kind of like clockwork orange. Um, And they never really resolve for you is which is he you know is he a crazy guy or was he the president and you know he's being held against as well it took me three watches i almost gave up i'm usually you know a pretty good fan of this series but this is definitely one of their misses Uh, maybe i just totally did not understand it because i went online when i was done to like okay what did i just watch you know and i saw good reviews and bad reviews so maybe it's just me but i really kind of thought this one was a miss and a little on the nose not really just you know disguising too well what i think what they were going for there so yeah i would if unless you're like a completist and want to see every single one of these i think this is one that you could skip all right the current occupant all right it's uh back up to vin vin what you been watching because Olivia de Havilland uh, passed away um, just a few days ago, 104 years old, I finally checked out Lady in a Cage from 1964. Um, been sitting in my Hulu queue for a long time, and so I pulled the trigger on that. Um, has anybody else seen this one? A long time ago. It's in my queue, too, for a long time. On Hulu? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be leaving Hulu soon, so I would... Uh, check it out before it does um but yeah this is kind of i think the director was walter grauman um it's kind of one of the original home invasion films um olivia Havilland, she plays this uh this rich widow um who had broken her hip or injured her hip and uh she has an elevator installed inside her house and when she's in the elevator one day the power goes out so she's trapped in there and she's ringing the bell, uh, you know, people to get help, call the police. And people are kind of ignoring it um, because this movie kind of does put a lot of focus on sort of like uh, how rotten the world has become, you know, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. full of crime and indifference. So there's this kind of a uh, homeless wino that comes into the house and starts stealing stuff from her. And then he gets more people. And uh, it just ends up being basically in the end, you have these three um, young people. You know, maybe teenagers, maybe a little bit older than that. Uh, one of them played by James Caan in his first starring role. Uh, James Caan doesn't like to cover his chest in this one. Um, <laughs> constantly, <laughs> constantly, like, the middle of his chest is completely bare. Um, but uh, 
they're basically kind of terrorizing and they decide that, you know, they may even just kill uh, her and some of the occupants. Um, but, uh, you know, Olivia de Havilland, she's pretty good in this. Um, there is kind of a <laughs> there, there, there's strange politics at play in this. Um, at one point, uh, one point, James Kahn's character mentions to her how uh, he was in like reform schools and he worked on farms growing up that were run by the state. And she comes back at him like that, like those were her ta- tax dollars that paid for that. And it's like I, I'm not sure what they're trying to say with this. It's it's kind of like there's a weird classist point of view in this film. Um, you know, kind of like what, you know what, the way that the poor are. Uh, but anyway, um, that aside, uh, sometimes the home invaders do sport sort of masks. I mean, it's more like a, like a ski mask and pantyhose, but there's certain shots where it does look kind of unsettling. Um, James Kahn's character does tell an old man at one point that uh, he's going to kill him. And when the old man asks why he responds, you were here. So this is very reminiscent of The Strangers, which you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was maybe a direct influence on it. Uh, there is a strange subplot with Olivia Havlin's character and uh, the guy that plays her son. Uh, it's it's almost incestuous. It's very odd. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how far it goes. Uh, in the beginning, I, I had to rewind it because... I thought that he called her mom, but then they were so like physical. I'm like, wait a minute, are, I, is it a mother? <laughs> I, um, I, I wasn't quite sure. Um, there's a weird thing going on there. Uh, there's also a Scatman Crothers cameo. Uh, hey. Nice to see him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's a very odd. I mean, this is this is in the same tradition of like having Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and you know, uh, having these these actors who were big in the especially in the 1940s. Um, you know. Uh, back in these horror films. Um, it's kind of, you know, they even, they spotlight Olivia de Havilland's cleavage <laughs> in this. Uh, at first I was like, if, I didn't know if it was just me noticing it and being kind of pervy, but no, the <laughs> film actually makes it like a focal point later on. In the, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, it's not just me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good movie. Um, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, you know, 1964, um, Lady in a Cage, uh, very good. Not not the best that I've seen, obviously, but uh, it is really good. And it's really great to see uh, James Caan at this age because um, he does have kind of a certain animal magnetism. He was trying to channel like uh, Marlon Brando, um, you know, when he was in his prime in this. And uh, mm-hmm. he does a pretty good job with it. And it, and it could be a nice uh, holiday watch because it happens on 4th July weekend. Did you oh yeah, some that? kids. Yeah, they throw some fireworks at her door at one point. Some kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. It's called Lady in the Cage. Yep. We're back up to Brandon. The same Isn't kind of vein that you talked about, um, Vin, and being that we lost someone else big in the film world this week, and then we lost John Saxon. So I could have gone obvious and gone with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but instead I decided to go with Enter the Dragon. So uh, everyone should know what Enter the Dragon is. I don't feel like I need to spend a lot of time talking about it. I did just get the Criterion Bruce Lee box set, so I'm really excited about that. So first movie we threw on was Enter the Dragon, and I I got my kids to kind of sit down and watch it. The older one, yes. The little one, uh, he when he would see people kicking or punching, he would kind of kick and punch. Um, But man, John Saxon is just such a cool dude in that movie. You know, just this kind of swinging, dirty, loudmouth... you know, martial arts guy. And that's just such a great movie. And trying to explain the significance of that movie period or just Bruce Lee in general to my kids was fun. 
but also just you know the fact with John Saxon, and it took Joey a minute, and he's like, he's like, oh wait, that's the that's the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street. So, and then I just started talking about all the other great stuff that he did, both in horror and not in horror, and uh, so that that was a fun watch. And it's Enter the Dragon. If anyone hasn't seen that, I don't know what to tell you. So uh, just watch it anyways because it's a great movie. So yeah, yes. They didn't have Kareem Abdul Jabbar in it too. No, it's Game of Death. That's the Game of Death. Yeah. Who else does it have in it? Uh, it, it this one has Black Belt Jones in it. Black Belt. So you have Jim, Jim Kelly, who was uh, he 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 was the star of the movie Black Belt Jones, which is an awesome uh, karate black exploitation film. Okay. And then you had Bolo uh, from you know Bloodsport and the other movies, and that's actually before his name was Bolo Young. He changed it to Bolo after Enter the Dragon. But there was a bunch of like you know big guys from the early Hong Kong cinema in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was interested in. Uh, I'd like to read his um, John Saxon's. Uh, didn't he do like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel that never got produced, but it was it was supposed to be a prequel? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he um, he wrote a uh, a, a prequel to. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, entitled "How the Nightmare Began," and he um, he never he would never get it. He could never get it uh, picked up. Freddy's origin story, and we're reading it right here. Nobody's ever done a feature length exploration of Freddy's origin story at the time. Freddy's initial death is the same as Saxon's draft as it is in Nightmare Lore. He's burned to death by Elm Street parents. But Saxon's story deviates in a few key ways. Um, let me see. In Saxon's version, Kruger is working as a therapist and treating none other than Nancy Thompson's stepsister, Betsy, who's recently returned home after running off to a hippie commune. And she turns up dead. He's killed by the parents. But here's the twist. He was innocent. Yeah. So, and then get this. Uh, he blames he blames the murders that Kruger gets blamed uh, for by Charles Manson. Anyway, I thought that was interesting that he wrote that. That was kind. That's kind of out there. Yeah, they killed they they killed Freddie when he was innocent, and the person who did it was Charles Manson. <laughs> so that would have been a that would have been a crazy. Uh, prequel that's so. honestly kind of dumb yeah it is kind of dumb <laughs> isn't it? So, all right nothing against john saxon but <laughs> yeah then have have you ever seen uh the girl who knew too much or the evil eye by mario bava and you guys seen that one yeah so I, that's it i'm not sure it's another very early john saxon uh movie and he's super cool in that one i think you'd like that i mean really amazing photography and camera angles and that was kind of before the uh the sleazy uh, Jalo started. This is still just more like a classic kind of thriller. It's really good. Like late sixties, uh, early sixties. It's very early sixties. Okay, really, yeah, it's early Baba stuff. Okay, uh, I'm up, and I'm going to talk about a movie that is not out yet, but it will be out August eighteenth, and I'm going to say you need to watch this as soon as it comes out. It's called Open 24 Hours. This is a movie that was in the, the the horror film festival circuit maybe two years ago. 
Uh, this is uh, from 2018, which means that it probably was filmed in 2017. And uh, uh, had a conversation with the director. His name is uh, Padraig Reynolds. And we did one of his movies. We covered one of his movies not too long ago called Dark Light. You remember me talking about that? The creatures with the the lights on their heads. I don't know if yeah, I, I, okay, I, yeah. I saw, yeah, I watched that one. Yeah, I thought it was a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, okay, why is your movie open twenty four hours, not out yet, but your newest movie comes out before that? And he was just like, it's it's basically a uh, a rights type thing, like a um, you know, they couldn't find the right um. What's what's it called? Come on, when somebody distributor, yeah, Is distributor. They're trying to find the right distributor, and I I don't know what what all happened, but man, open twenty four hours. I've been hearing about for two years. Uh, basically, heard about it first time. Jason uh, Lloyd watched it at one of the. Um, he probably watched it. What's that uh, Austin a horror movie? thing going down there is it fright no it's not fright fest i forget what it is yeah but south by southwest south by southwest yes. yeah i remember jason talking about that a, a couple years ago on bloody bits yes it's been like i said it's been two years it's ridiculous and he said it was one of the best ones that he saw there i think he wrote it he rated it four out of five stars or whatever and uh basically what you have here is this girl uh has set her serial killer boyfriend on fire. Okay. This is her, her boyfriend is a serial killer. Uh, she, I guess, I don't know if she was, it's kind of left vague as whether she was kind of involved or, uh, was complicit in it or whatever, but she ends up setting him on fire. Uh, she gets out of jail and she gets, um, put on probation and she gets a job at an all-night gas station because it's really the only job she can get. Um, she's very paranoid and delusional. She's got some mental health issues. And let's just say things happen on her first shift, uh, which is basically th- the graveyard shift. Uh, she gets there at like 11 or maybe 9, and she has to work until the next morning. And it's kind of a desolate place. There's not a whole lot of business, a, a customer every once in a while. And let's just say during that whole night, we're not sh- I'm not sure what was real, what was not real. Is she um, uh, doing, uh, is she having hallucinations that her boyfriend is back to get her? Or is he really there? Um, it, it's kind of like a slashery type thing. He's got this uh, rain slicker. He only kills when it rains, <laughs> and um, there's some some cool deaths, uh, practical deaths, and and then the the ending you you, you get all the answers. And I really like this movie a lot. Again, this this moved into my top fifteen of the year. Uh, it's an hour and forty two minutes long. It moves very quickly. Uh, it's got good acting in it, good cinematography, great sound effects. It, it's it's a good one. Uh, I think it's I think it's much better than Dark Light, uh, and I'm not saying that Dark Light wasn't a good movie. Dark Light was was decent, but this one is uh, much better. So open 24 hours. It comes out August 18th, and I would say 
this is worth a you know a few dollars uh, to to rent it. So open twenty four hours. All right, Tammy. All right, um, I'm going to bring up one that actually I think Mark you recommended. Um, 2018 Slaughterhouse Rules. Mm-hmm. You liked it, right? I, I thought it was one of the most underrated horror comedies of the year. Oh, okay. Well, so did I, and so did uh, The Landinator. Um, so just a quick synopsis is, in a, it's like this, uh, it actually kind of made me think of Harry Potter rated like a hard R, even mm-hmm. though it's nothing like Harry Potter. It's not like a wizarding school or anything, but it's this illustrious British boarding school becomes a bloody battleground when a mysterious sinkhole appears at a nearby fracking site, unleashing unspeakable horrors. And it's got two of my favorite people in it. It's got Margot Robbie and Simon Pegg, and it's also got Nick Frost, who I really like. Um, This was just fun from beginning to end. I watched it with my son and he loved it just as much. And we were both kind of like, why did we never (laughs) watch that before? Um, so if for some reason in the last two years, you have not seen this, you need to watch it. It's hilarious. It's a great story. Great creatures. Funny. I, I, we absolutely loved it. So Waterhouse. I thought it was, I thought it was definitely a movie that was overlooked. Was it 2018? Yeah. Was it 18 or 19? I forget. Yeah. And I remember just nobody talking about it whatsoever. And I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought there was a lot of uh, practical gore. Yes. And I was like, why is nobody talking about this? I mean, Simon Pegg is in it. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not like Shaun of the dead or anything, but it, it was, it was, it was really, you know, fun. So no, but if you like Shaun of the dead, that's what I would think is a, a good example of humor that mixes well with horror. You know, mm-hmm. so it doesn't always, but it really does in here too. And I don't know if that's just Simon Pegg's able to just do that so well. But I mean, and the characters, you really care about them. At least I did. Yeah. And yeah, it's just really good. And you know me, I love a school setting. So I was yep. in. Yep. All right, Vin. All right, I'm going to talk about a couple films sort of at once because <laughs> I kind of went on a kind of a black exploitation kick. Yeah. Um, so I watched Blackula, Scream, Blackula, Scream, and Sugar Hill. Uh, and I'm going to kind of talk about Blackula and Scream, Blackula, Scream um, kind of together because I watched them back to back and they obviously, I mean, I mean they honestly, uh, they're hard to separate in my mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't entirely remember which movie was which at this point. Um, but uh, has, have all of you guys seen this? these ones? I've seen Black Oh, oh yeah. I have not. Okay. I had seen parts of Black Yellow before, but I really wanted to give it a, you know, it, a fair shot. Um, and, you know, it, it, when it starts off with the prologue <laughs> in 1780, it's pretty cheesy, all right? Uh, <laughs> William Marshall plays this kind of like African prince, Mama Walde. Um, and he's talking to Dracula at his castle to try and get support to stop the African slave trade. Um, and he's betrayed and turned by Dracula and he's prisoner in a coffin until the 1970s. And that stuff is, it's not a very good indication about what you're actually going to get through the rest of the film. Um, I will say that. Uh, I, but, you know, just to kind of talk about these really quickly. Um, 
yeah, William Marshall, um, he's awesome. He is really good. Uh, I'd, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm a Trekkie, so I knew him as Dr. Richard Daystrom in the original series. Um, so, you know, a very important character in Star Trek lore. Uh, but, it, you know, we've got a... Uh, We've got Blackula, who he's called Blackula by Dracula, and so that is that becomes his name. Um, <laughs> he he ends up getting uh, freed by this gay couple that buys the castle, um, and they're they're total stereotypes, but they're actually they're not actually mean stereotypes. I mean, especially for 1972, um, I don't think that they're they're actually there entirely for comic relief. I mean, yeah, there there are people that exist like that. Um, although later there is a derogatory word used on, about them, uh, but. For the most part, I, I thought they could have been worse <laughs> for the 1970s, how they were depicted. Um, there are certainly things in this movie that don't make sense, uh, as, you know, uh, Blackula is is killing people and everything else. I don't know why the morgue for the police department is on the top floor. Um, that's not a very good place for a morgue. Uh, they At one point, they're throwing oil lamps that just explode with fire. Um, they don't have to be lit, I guess. They'll just explode with fire if you throw an oil lamp. Um, you know, it's it's a very 70s film. Uh, there's kind of a mixed bag in terms of talent. Um, the one woman, uh, Luva, who is William Marshall's love interest, uh, she's cute, but she's not a very good actress. Um, but above all these movies, both of them, they take their vampire attacks seriously. Uh, there's actually some pretty good horror imagery in these. They, they It's not camp at all when it comes to that. Um and of course, this film kind of spawned the black exploitation horror for the rest of the decade, including its sequel, right? Scream, Blackula Scream, 1973, uh, where Blackula is raised from the dead through voodoo. Um, and once again, you know, I was struck by William Marshall. Like he, he almost rivals Christopher Lee for this era. And I know it's a big thing to say, but I mean, it, it's he has some good dialogue. Uh, his character is that turns vicious, sympathetic, charming. Um, you know it. The fashion and makeup don't hold up in these films. It's more obvious what era you're looking at than like Hammer at the time when they were making period pieces. Um, but you know, Hammer tried to bring Dracula into the modern day, and I think they failed. I know Tammy likes <laughs> satanic rites of Dracula, um, but I think these two films succeed where Hammer failed. Uh, there's great shots of like vampires gliding towards their victims, um, and I, w- I wasn't sure exactly how the black exploitation would be handled. I was kind of surprised that it shows there's almost a harmonious race relations in this. Um, We see like, you know, aside from the slave stuff in the very beginning, blacks and whites are kind of side by side in this film. Uh, It doesn't seem to be a lot of anti-black racism that's present in these films. Um, You know, at least the two black yellow films. I mean, most of the slurs that you hear are just black on black and very interesting in that way. Um, in the second one, Pam Greer's in it, uh, and she's good, but her screen time is actually smaller than I expected. She's not, she's not the buck kicker that I kind of thought she would be. Um, but I mean, you know, if I take these two films together, they, uh, the second one is more polished, I think, in terms of production, but the story feels more rushed than the first one. But Blackula is actually a pretty great tragic character, and he's brought to life, I think, by a, a commanding actor and William Marshall. I, I really actually highly recommend both of these, um, if you like, especially... If you were somebody who, who liked the the hammer stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, th- this this does a pretty good job. This definitely rivals some of that stuff that we saw. Um, and then again, I was going to say I was going to talk about Sugar Hill. Uh, this is you know, uh, zombie voodoo. Um, and I had always assumed that the title referred to a place, not a person. So th- I learned something new that day uh, when I watched it. Uh, 
This one came out in 1974. It's much more overt with racism than the Blackula movies, um, especially when Sugar, the main character, um, she's calling like the bad guys like Whitey and Honk and things like that. Um, <laughs> she uh, basically she plays this woman who, uh, I, I, if it's her husband, maybe uh, no husband or boyfriend, I don't remember exactly. He's like a nightclub owner. He ends up getting killed by basically these gangsters, and she goes to this like uh, this voodoo queen almost out in the swamps. And that woman, it might be her grandmother or something, and she takes her to go find um, the Baron, uh, who's basically like a god of death. And he's the one that has the power to resurrect the zombies. So she summons him, and he's going to help her get revenge. And, um, you know, she's... They 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 pick they pick the black woman who looks very white most of the time. Uh, it's not really until um, she, for some reason, every time she's going to go kill a guy, she all of a sudden has an afro and she's wearing an Elvis jumpsuit. Uh, that's like her her I'm going to kill people with zombies outfit. She just she has a wardrobe change every time. Um, it's really funny. I mean, the dialogue is really corny. The Baron, he's a fun character. The zombies' eyes look cool. They're kind of reflective. Um, the, the main guy in this, he, uh, he was the guy from Poltergeist, um, the, uh, the African-American, uh, researcher that comes into their house. Yeah. I think his mm-hmm. name was Ryan in the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, th- there's some bad history in this film. <laughs> they, they bring, uh, these slave chains to a professor and he says, oh, they were brought from Guinea in the 1850s with the slaves, but the slave trade already ended by that point. Um, anyway, it's just a little nitpick from me. Uh, there's no tension. You're never in doubt that things are going to go exactly as Sugar planned. It's pure revenge fantasy. Um, the climax, though, it has some good imagery. Uh, but yeah, this this is a fun, corny ride. But it definitely pales in comparison to the Black Yellow films. Those are actually much more serious films. Um, and Sugar Hill is pure exploitation. Um, but anyway, that that was my foray into some black exploitation this past week. Nice, nice. <laughs> I can dig it. Those are fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Remember we watched uh, at that Psycho Cinema? What was that? That oh, um, Petey Wheatstraw, the Devil's Son-in-Law. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was crazy, wasn't it? That was fun. yeah, Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was fun. Yeah. Did you ever see the um, the, the biography, the biopic? Um, oh, that with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy did. Yeah, that was pretty good. Was it good? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard it was good. Yep, that's funny. That's funny. All right, we are back up to Brandon. We're going to go around maybe tw- two more times. Well, that's good because I don't I'm running out of things I want to talk about here. Um, so <laughs> I am going to, I'll mention something that you guys talked about, I think, uh, two times ago, maybe. Uh, and that is this year's The Beach House on Shudder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, what were your, all of your general thoughts on The Beach House? Uh, I liked it more than Mark. Yeah, Vin, Vin liked it a lot. I, I thought it was about half of a good movie, <laughs> but I, I'm going to give it another another shot. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm on Team Vin here because I loved it. It had this great, you know, the the cringiness of like some Cronenberg body horror with almost like this kind of Lovecraftian feel to it. And I just, man, I, it, that's kind of like, I, I felt like I've been missing that kind of like gross out cringy film this year and that one did it for me i i loved it i thought the performances were great i thought it was pretty well made i didn't like the guy character that much in it um but other than that like i man i really enjoyed it and again there were just some parts in that 
especially like when she's in the kitchen with the knife and I'm not, you know, I won't get into details and, mm-hmm. but there were some parts where I like, I definitely cringed while I was watching it and I really liked it. So, uh, since you already talked about it, I won't say anything more. I'll just keep it nice and short. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie that I don't dislike. It's just a movie that I thought that they could have started the action a little bit sooner. I think there was, there was a lot of downtime there at the beginning, but you know, again, it's not, it's not a bad movie in my opinion. It's uh, it's just one that maybe it needs to grow on me. Yeah. But I'm with you. I didn't like the guy all that much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. It. All right. You dug it. All right. Um, I got one called that is not out yet, but I want to um, bring it up because I liked it a whole lot. And I'd like for people to kind of put it on their radar. It's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody heard of this? It's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, This movie is a a tribute. I think it's Polish. It's a Polish movie. Uh, Let me look. Yeah, I think so. Polish. And um, this is a tribute to slashers. Uh, A group of technology-dependent teenagers go to offline camp. Mm Mm-hmm meaning uh, hiking and all that stuff uh, without access to smartphones. And what happens is there are um, these people, I guess, danger. I, I would The way I would describe this is a mix between, say, um, Hatchet and Wrong Turn. <laughs> uh, there's these... I'm, not, I'm just going to say it's not really a big spoiler. There's there's two killers. There's twins, and they're really disfigured and gross. And there's some good gore in this one. There's a there's a neat sleeping bag kill, which is a nod to, uh, um, you know, Jason. In uh, what what was that? Was that um, the New Blood? I believe so. I believe that was part seven where he did the sleeping bag kill, right? Yeah, it was definitely a, a Kane Hodder one. I think, it, I think yeah. it was seven. Yeah, I think it was seven. Uh, but they did that. There's some good eye gouges. There's a good, uh, there, there's, there's some good um, little bloody fun there. And the, the makeup on, on these uh, dudes is pretty good. It's pretty disgusting. They've got like, I don't know, boils or something all over them. And you get a backstory as to why they're like they are. Um, I just thought it was fun. It was a fun, fun movie. So just keep keep your eye out for it when it comes out. I think it's going to come out on Netflix. It's called uh, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. <laughs> there you go. If you like slashers, you're going to like it. If you're not a big slasher fan, you're you're gonna, you're going to just dismiss it. But all right, Tammy. Um, all right. Before my next one, I just wanted to mention that it was my birthday last weekend and mm-hmm. my son and I went, I know, <laughs> went and saw Jaws on the big screen. And that was really amazing because 
usually with these, you know, because our movie theaters are open here playing the 80s movies. So usually it's a movie I've seen on the big screen and he hasn't. And I that was a first for me getting to see that on the big screen. So that was really cool. Mm. Um, and I'm going to mention, too, that are definitely rewatches for me, but they were first time watches with my son. And it's um, Disturbia and Summer of 84. You guys mm. have seen both of those, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I love I love Disturbia. I oh, I do too. Um, so we were, so we've got this new cable now, and so there's like tons of movies out there on demand, and we're just kind of you know catching up on some stuff that we hadn't seen. And I'm like, oh my god, Disturbia! I love that movie. So we started watching it, and um, he loved it so much. I'm like, hey, there's another one that's kind of like that. And then Summer of '84 which we watched through, I think Vin, you watched stuff on Canopy. I just got that through my library. So we were able to find it on there. And so we watched those two kind of like a double header. And those are, they're both just so great. I mean, for Disturbia, that's got to be like my 10th watch. I don't know. I've seen it so many times. I own it. And then Summer of 84, that was just my second watch, but it was just as good as I remembered. And he loved them both too. So and they both have that same kind of the same idea of, you know, your neighbor's a killer and none of the adults will believe you. So excellent. If you have, for some reason, anybody hasn't seen both of those, definitely get on it. Yeah. I had to defend summer of 84 online. Not, not too long ago. Really? Some, somebody just posted like, what does anybody see in this movie? It sucks. Oh. Or, and I'm just like, I listed like 50 things <laughs> that, it's not, that it's I liked about it. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of good stuff about this movie, yeah. but you just can't please everybody. Apparently not, mm-hmm. but they pleased me. So yes. All right, Vin. Uh, right. Another shutter release. I did watch the pool. Um, what do you think? You know, well, <laughs> Uh, well, this, you know, this is coming off of our alligator episode, uh, that we just did. Um, this is a tie release and this one is okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I I realized this too, when I was, uh, uh, when we were watching, um, crawl is how often they have like alligators or crocodiles roar like lions. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think they just hiss. I think it's about all they do (laughs) because, uh, because is scarier than (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's kind of ridiculous um but again this is ty um this is a guy who uh he's he's with his dog uh at this pool that um is basically being like decommissioned uh they they were filming like i don't know if it was some kind of music video or just saying an artsy video there um the day before and he's just kind of enjoying the pool before it's all drained and he ends up kind of falling asleep on a float and realizes he's towards the bottom of the pool when he wakes up. Um, and this is just like, this movie is just Murphy's law to the most absurd degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he's in this huge pool that has no stairs or ladders. Um, you know, he, there's a pizza guy that comes and he's under the water the entire time. The pizza guy's there somehow. And the pizza guy can't see him in the water. Uh, I don't understand why. Um, his girlfriend knocks herself unconscious and falls in the pool. And I just started laughing really hard at that point. <laughs> I mean, just the things go wrong for this dude every single time. Like right after she knocks herself unconscious, like he looks over at one point and, um, he needs tape. And of course the tape is for some reason in the crocodile's mouth. 
just sitting there like i'm like what the hell <laughs> it's like <laughs> i mean there's there's certain things that um uh, you know the, the croc looks really fake sometimes during the attacks it looks really fake mm-hmm. um and i love how uh they take these big croc eggs but when they cook them they turn into like little unfertilized chicken eggs <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know it, it's there, there's a tunnel they go into and it takes them like half the movie just to think i should check the other side of the tunnel um there's <laughs> kind of a tragic death at the end that you know, it doesn't even have anything to do with the croc. Uh, but anyway, and, and another character that should have been dead. Um, but uh, it's it was entertaining for what it was. Yes. Um, yes. Not a not a great film, but it is. It did have a certain visual eye. Um, I liked what they were trying to do with it. Uh, there were some good scenes, um, and I, I'm just I like seeing horror from around the world. You know, and I realized I hadn't seen a lot of Thai horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had seen The Promise this year. Uh, which I had talked about, and I think I had seen Shudder from way back in the mid-2000s. And I still haven't seen Inhuman Kiss from last year, but that's on my list to check out. Uh, so good. Yeah, and I don't remember you talking very highly about that one. Um, So yeah, I mean, this one, you can, this this can be skipped. I mean, if you watch it, you'll have fun with it. Uh, But you don't, you don't need to, it doesn't have to go in your queue unless you're really into crocodiles. Yeah, but I mean, it's, like you said, it's entertaining. Yeah. you know, it's got tension and it's, and it's just entertaining. But it's That's like what stupid I, entertaining. Yeah. You're yeah, just going to be I laughing mean, at like, Oh, now what <laughs> you have to suspend your disbelief through yeah. the entire thing because everything is just ridiculous over the top. Like how he gets trapped and how everything just, like you said, Murphy's law, but yeah, I, I would still recommend it. Yeah. Is so. it supposed to be funny? Well, that's no. the, thing. The, the tone is serious. Mm hmm. That's why, like, it, I mean, yes, it is fun, but I couldn't tell if I was supposed to be laughing. That's the only <laughs> thing, you know, yeah. like it's maybe, maybe I, maybe they meant it to be funny. I don't know. Um, Not but, that I don't, uh, I don't think so. I don't yeah, think I mean, it looks, I mean, again, I don't have a huge amount of experience with Thai films, but mm-hmm. you know, when I saw the promise, that was definitely something that took itself seriously and there were no laughs in that. Um, so I do think that there was a sense of fun for this film. I don't know if it was meant to be as funny as it was, but okay. All right. Uh, everybody, Brandon had to jump off. His, uh, wife needed some help with the kids. So he jumped off. I think he was, uh, pretty much uh, done anyway. So I'm going to come back in and I'm going to talk about a, a film called framed just, uh, dropped on, uh, I know it's on prime. That's how I watched it. I think it was three 99, what was that um, movie that I, I keep looking for it and I can't find it where I just reviewed it a few weeks ago. It was a group of famous people that went into a house like big brother style and people were voting. Oh yeah. It was like a Scandinavian oh. film or something. Wasn't it? Yeah. But what was it called? Funhouse. Uh, I don't remember. Funhouse. That's okay. it. Funhouse. Um, this reminds me a little bit of Funhouse because it has a lot of social commentary about social media. This is a, a Spanish film, uh, and and it um, basically was made in 2017. So I'm not sure why it's just dropping right now, uh, but. Again, it's just the way it is. But uh, a group of friends get attacked by three individuals, and they all have cameras, smartphones, and all this. And what they're doing is they're live streaming 
um, all this stuff that they're doing, making them do uh, different things and, and games, and, and then there'll be torture if you lose the game. And it's just, um, it's one of those, I guess, I guess it's a social commentary on, on our need for views and what you're going to do for views. So it's kind of a mix between like that fun house and say like uh hostile. I mean, it's got that kind of uh torture porn type thing to it. And I thought it was really well done. Um, I thought the acting was good. Uh, I liked the, the look and style of the film and, uh, yeah, I've never heard of this uh, director before. Uh, his name's Mark Martinez Jordan, and uh, but yeah, I thought this was this was pretty good, and this might be uh, a surprise to some people. Um, if if you liked Funhouse, I think you might like this. And Funhouse was not uh, nearly as well acted as this this movie. I thought this was much much uh, more well acted. So it's called framed. <laughs> it's called framed. framed. So Tammy, uh, last time through. All right. Um, I don't know. So there's been a new streaming service that came out this past week. Peacock. Um, right now I just have the, uh, free version, but all the Alfred Hitchcock movies are out. Well, quite a few, not all quite a the, you know, few of the more known ones. And, about half of them are available with the free service, and then the other half you would have to pay. I think it's five ninety nine a month to get the whole catalog. So I rewatched um, Birds, The Birds, and Psycho. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, both very, very good. Um, the Birds I own, but Psycho I hadn't seen in a while, so that was kind of fun to rewatch that. Um, I also rewatched uh, nineteen seventy six Carrie. I'm not even going to go into any, ex- you guys know what all these are. Everybody Classics. does. Yep. Yes. Um, I rewatched House on Sorority Row from 82. Love that. Um, and then I rewatched Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 78. Um, mm. Just this afternoon. Did, did you so like House on Sorority Row? Yeah, I've seen it before. Um, I like it very much, but I mean... It's so 80s, and I think that's what I like about it. I mean, the the story's not, you know, it's not, like, groundbreaking or anything. It's just kind of a typical slasher, but I love the 80s-ness of it. And some of the acting is horrific, but I think it's it's a well-underrated 80s slasher. I Mm -hmm. I think it's really good. Good Yeah, Yeah. especially the clown at the end, the jester or whatever that is. And the colors and lighting. Yeah. 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 And the clothes and the music are just so good. Um, And then my last one is I uh, rewatched the Cape Fear remake from 1991. Haven't seen that in a while. That is really good. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen that since early (laughs) nineties. I know. It's like, like I said, I've got this new cable. So I'm like, you know, there's just tons of movies on demand that I just haven't had access to in a while. And little sicko Robert De Niro and Juliet Lewis. Oh, yeah. that uncomfortable scene where he puts his thumb in her mouth. It was just so creepy. But yeah, it's. You don't know if that would fly out there. I think I saw that movie when I was 12. So uh, it'll be very different going back to it this time. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, why is he putting his thumb in her mouth? 
<laughs> man, he plays the perfect creep, though. You know, yeah. just you know, he does. man. He's good in that. I'm not the sure. Counselor, isn't that what he's yelling? Yeah, yeah. Oh, counselor. <laughs> yeah. What, which one do you like better? Do you like the original? I um, I love them both to be honest, but they really are two very different movies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think it was. If you're looking for just an update, you know, of the same type of things, things, I think that's a perfect example of a movie that's not changed a whole lot, but it's just updated. It's you know? a remake done right, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 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 it keeps the whole kind of storyline pretty much the same, and, and it, it, and it kind of, uh, the bones are kind of there. But mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, this is a movie that, what, Cape Fear, the original was what, in the 60s? I was, was just trying to 50s? think of it. I mean, it was definitely, it was black and white. So I'm going to guess very early 60s. And I'm sure at the time, um, it was scary for, you know, it had that probably that same feeling to that audience. But just where Robert De Niro takes the character, man, that's just, he is just cruel. Yes, yeah, 62. Yeah, when he beats up Ileana Douglas in bed, mm-hmm. you know, remember yep. that scene? Yep. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a uh, it's a it's a really good update to to that story. So, yeah, and lots of good acting in it too by everybody yep. that's in it. So it's mm-hmm. really good. That's it for me. All right, Vin, what you got left? Um, all right, so I got four more I'm gonna talk about. Um, I watched. Two uh, Korean releases from Shudder that were ghost movies. Um, I was watching a lot of movies in my bedroom at night with the air conditioner going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and s- since I was like competing with that noise, I decided to watch a lot of foreign films since I had to read it anyway. Um, you know, I didn't have to keep my kids awake, you know, blaring up the volume. Uh, so the first one that I watched was a uh, zero megahertz. Mm-hmm. Um, this is based on a popular online comic. You have a, uh, a group of young, young Koreans, uh, like college students, and they go to this, like basically a murder house. <laughs> or no, I think I think it was somewhere uh, somebody committed suicide there, and it was supposedly haunted. And then there was like a shaman who was killed. So they were going there to, you know, trying like ghost hunters trying to collect evidence, and it ends up turning into like a possession film. And um, you know, it's I guess it apparently stars two K-pop. Um, Stars. Uh, I don't know anything about K-pop, um, but this definitely seemed more geared toward a teen audience. Uh, there is a lot of CGI. Not all of it's good. Um, definitely doesn't break any new ground, but it does have kind of a fun exorcism scene. Uh, but this is, I think, it's largely forgettable. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't understand what role Zero Megahertz played in the story. Uh, <laughs> other than that, it kind of provided like a countdown mechanism <laughs> where we knew that this something was going to happen when this thing counted down to zero, but I didn't actually understand what the hell was happening. Um, but anyway, this is not one that you really have to seek out at all. Um, the other one that I watched was warning. Do not play. Yes. I um, like that one. Yeah. Again, this is also Korean. Uh, and this is, we've got, a a, f- a Korean filmmaker, um, She's she she has heard about a a film that was supposedly made by a ghost, and it was like shown by this uh, grad student uh, for film school, and um, people like ran out of the theater and everything like that. And it's she's trying to track it down. And there's there's some really interesting things that this film is doing. Um, I think it it kind of separate it celebrates 
horror's therapeutic quality. Uh, the kind of the, the you know that feeling intense emotions kind of reminds you that you're alive, um, and it's it's also kind of a release and a security blanket for many people who feel disenfranchised or marginal. And I like how they touch on that, uh, and sometimes it does feel a bit like a love letter um, to the kind of passionate compulsion of horror filmmakers. But I don't know if I'm completely down for what they seem to say about them, <laughs> like they're damaged or insane or fascinated by real murder. Um, I think this depiction is maybe a little bit problematic. Uh, and it does start to become very meta in the last act. And in certain respects, though, it kind of began to lose me. Uh, mm. Like, either it was losing the plot or I was. I'm not really sure which. Um, the the kind of film within a film, the film that she's seeking out, they keep referring to as, like, the scariest film ever made. And I think that's just, you know, they would have been better off calling it, like, a haunted film or a cursed film because it's impossible for a film to fulfill those types of expectations for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film that they show doesn't come close to anything being even scary for horror fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of, it kind of detracts uh, from from that second half. Um, but overall, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I like the main actress, even though we don't learn a lot about her character. I mm-hmm. thought it hit a lot of the right notes for most of the movie. Um, again, the first half of the buildup I thought was more interesting. And a little tweaking towards the end would have elevated it. But um, definitely of the two Korean films I saw, this was the better one. Um, I don't know if you want to chime in with anything on those before I go on. I, I agree with you. The The warning do not play is, is much better in the zero megahertz, but I, it's been a while since I watched both of them. So, um, I think I watched uh, warning. Do not play last year, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it, that's it, the one with the chick with the glasses. She had the glasses on, right? The whole thing. Like yeah, the glasses. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember liking her character a lot. And I thought that there were a lot of, uh, interesting, um, ideas in that movie. Zero megahertz. I thought, like you said, very forgettable. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't something that I don't. Even, I don't even remember that much about it. So, yeah. Warning: Do not play. And I, I think it just dropped on Shutter not not too long ago. So while it's on there, make sure you watch it. Yeah. Um, so the next film I watched, uh, I did watch Extraordinary, which I think you also saw last year. <laughs> yeah. um, Irish, you know, uh, comedy horror. Um, it's it, we've got a main character, uh, Rose. She's a medium, but uh, she doesn't want to use her powers anymore because she lost her father uh, performing them. And uh, now she's like a driving instructor. But there's this guy in the neighborhood who, or not, well, he's in the town, um, whose daughter kind of comes under, you know, supernatural affliction, I'll say. Um, And she ends up up deciding to help him. And they kind of have this love story that kind of progresses throughout it. Um, And this is, you know, it's got the silly but dry humor. Um, it's the kind of humor where I might say out loud, that's funny, <laughs> but I don't actually laugh. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm still enjoying myself. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. It, you know, it's got yeah. a lot of British humor. Oh, it's very, yeah. It's very, very, very dry, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, that dry silliness. Um, and some parts, I, some parts I did still find very funny, but sometimes they, they went by the jokes and everything went by so fast. I didn't have time to react before they moved on to the next bit. Um, I think some like of the movie, his, did you like but, his, uh, virgin locator? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he just yeah, dropped stuff. The, the stick or something. And yep. did, oh my gosh. Um, it's, it, it is a fast paced movie. It's sometimes too fast. Um, I didn't always have 
I wasn't really successful connecting with some characters. Because um, especially there's kind of a point in the movie where, you know, at the end of that second act, you have to have it look like everything's going to fall apart and then things got to come back together. And that was where we have like Rose struggling to bring herself to continue helping this guy named Martin. His name is Martin Martin um, in order to save his daughter. And it kind of felt like a, a needless conflict that didn't need to be there. Her character kind of comes off as overly selfish and short-sighted. Um, it's something that she kind of should have been over at the end of the first act. And it kind of looked like she already was. Uh, but that third act kind of really does help it. Uh, I, there's some great sexual humor in there. There's some CGI that actually looks pretty slick. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, this was... This was a fun movie. Um, I, I watched this one with my wife, and she really enjoyed it, too. Um, anything else that you want to add? No. I, I just have a... I don't know. I get too much of Will Forte. Uh, I think I've said that before. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, have the biggest I, I, I do think he's funny, but I think just in small doses. Like I've, I like the whole thing that he was uh, kind of like this bumbling guy, and, you know, he was like a one-hit wonder, and he was trying to get back his fame and fortune by making a deal, right? Sacrificing yeah. a virgin or something. But, yep. you know, I, I enjoyed that, and I, I like um, some of the effects, and definitely at the end there was, was pretty cool. But, I don't know, there's just something about him that <laughs> rubs me the wrong way. I'm not sure the, what it is. The character is almost overly silly at a certain point, especially <laughs> with the hair and stuff like that. And, yeah, but I guess, I, I don't know. Overly silly, I guess. So. Yeah. Uh, and the last movie I watched was uh, from 1946. So this is Shock. Um, have I ever, either of you seen this one? No. Don't think so. It's it's kind of it's a decent little uh, like noir thriller. I mean, we would call it noir today. They didn't use that term back then. They would have called it a melodrama back then in the 40s. Um, but it's starring Vincent Price. Um, it's in the public domain, so the only copies you can get are kind of rough. <laughs> They're kind of copies of copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is is this: uh, we, we have this young woman who her her husband's coming back from the war, and um, she's you know he's late for his plane. She's worried and everything like that. And she sits out on the balcony, or she's by the balcony of her hotel, and she looks across and she sees a murder happen. And it's Vincent Price's character, who's a doctor, um, murders murders his wife in a rage. He kind of hits her with like a candle, with yeah, with a candlestick. Um, and from this, she basically goes, you know, the girl who witnesses this, she goes in like a catatonic shock, um, which it's kind of a, a dumb plot point. <laughs> but you know, the the irony of these movies is the fact that Vincent Price is like a psychologist, so he has her committed to his institution and you know his priority is kind of to make sure that she doesn't reveal that she saw him commit this murder um and unfortunately she's kind of a useless character throughout most of the film uh you know during the war years we ended up seeing actually a lot of strong female characters um especially in horror uh women were flocking to the theater they wanted to see women like them um but then there was kind of a backlash you know of course we know that women were kind of sent you know, told to go back to the home uh, and out of the workforce when the war happened. And that kind of happened in movies too. Women lost a lot of their strength, their strong female characters. And this one, especially she's, you know, she, she sees somebody get hit with a candlestick and she goes into a catatonic shock and her husband's like a POW who comes back and he seems okay. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, she's not the best character. Um, but I do like a lot of the turns this story took. Uh, they kind of gaslight her at certain points, um, and they exploit a lot of opportunities to discredit her. Uh, but you know, ultimately, this is really Vincent Price's film. Um, he the movie ends up focusing a lot on him and his character, and he actually does a really good job. And I liked what they did with that character. Uh, he's struggling with how far he should take 
what he wants to do to this girl to make sure she doesn't talk. You know, he doesn't want to be a murderer, but he, he he's kind of falling towards that. Um, and this this is actually kind of an important film because uh, it had a huge backlash against it, especially in the New York periodicals. Um, the New York Times critic, Bosley Crowther, which is an amazing name, uh, he completely lambasted <laughs> the film. Um, he thought that people should protest it because he thought it was fostering a mistrust of psychiatric doctors at a time when so many men needed needed their help, you know, because you have traumatized servicemen coming back from the war. Um, he thought it was completely immoral and irresponsible to, you know, so mistrust and fear of the psychiatric community. And he wasn't the only one. There were a lot of people in New York who were basically, you know, they thought this film should be protested. Um, and it kind of, this is kind of also the first shot against horror. This is why we kind of start losing horror in this time. Um, you know, it, it starts going t- more towards noir. You know, it's... It, uh, now that the war years are over, it's kind of like the men are back. We need to get serious again. Uh, no more of this, you know, this foolishness. Um, so anyway, th- this film it, it kind of marks a certain uh, landmark in the 1940s, especially with dark films. Um, but it, it's I think it's, it is it's worth checking out. It's not a great film, but if you don't mind like grainy 1940s stuff and you like Vincent Price, it's it, it's it's worth watching for Vincent Price. And that's Some again, it's called Shock Hitchcockian. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so? It yeah. does not have the the deft hand of Hitchcock, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, yeah, you can see that with certain characters and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely it's it's kind of a cheap production, but uh, again, it's worth seeing for Vincent Price. Well, that sounds really good. All right. Well, I'm going to give you some crap because I didn't watch these oh, to not <laughs> uh, go with it. Um, one called Darkness Waits, uh, Devil Within. Uh, here's one called Crated, uh, about a bunch of people that wake up and they're in crates out in the middle of a field, and they got to find a way to escape. And who's doing this to them? This was released free, I believe, on YouTube. And uh, that was still too much to pay for it. <laughs> um, Murder Death, Koreatown. No, thank you. That sounds great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you would think. Uh, and one called Eight Graves, which had a, a a good premise, but it looked like a bunch of high school kids filmed it, enacted it, and produced it. So it was pretty rough. The last thing I will say is I did get to see Deep Blue Sea 3, which is <laughs> out now on Prime, but it's fourteen ninety nine. Oh, wow. Let me, let me say this. Deep, Deep Blue Sea 1 is a guilty pleasure. It's just so over-the-top goofy. Uh, I, I love the, the thought of smart sharks, and I love the fact that Samuel L. Jackson gets his behind eaten um, <laughs> right out of nowhere. I love that. Part 2 is just absolute trash. This one is actually entertaining um it's got a a good cast the acting is pretty decent the the setting and and all of that the story not not bad uh there is some crappy cgi shark stuff but not not a whole lot um i can think of one particular cgi part where i was like oh my gosh roll my eyes but other than that, 
uh, it, it wasn't too bad. I don't think it's worth fourteen ninety nine uh, on Prime. They're trying to make it, I guess, like a you know a theater experience. You know, fourteen ninety nine for this movie that would be out at the theaters. I don't know if Deep Blue Sea three was coming out at the theaters. Was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> no. So I would wait until this bad boy was streaming somewhere, or if you can get it for like three ninety nine. Um, but fourteen ninety nine, no thanks, no thanks. And I did want to mention real quick. Um, there is Panama dropped its first horror movie. Uh, it, it's a it's a year or so old, maybe two years old, but it's finally on Prime. It's called Diablo Rojo Pty. <laughs> Crazy stupid title, uh, Diablo Rojo. But I don't know what Pty exactly means um basically what you've got is this bus driver and a a, a ragtag bunch of guys that i'm not going to tell you how they kind of all get thrown together there's some cops in the mix and and they're on this bus and they get i guess attacked in the middle of nowhere by witches and there's like a like a, a backstory about this guy and his daughter and it all plays in there's some really uh, crappy CGI, but there's some cool practical effects like creatures that I was impressed with. And uh, the acting, for the most part, was okay. But I'm telling you, the big thing about this movie that, I mean, set it apart from being a pretty good movie to uh, eh, is the the music. Um, I don't know if it's because these guys from Panama didn't have a lot of experience making a movie or whatever, but, and maybe it's just a, uh, a cultural thing. I didn't think the, the music fit this movie at all. It was weird. It was like, there was supposed to be a scary part and there'd be like, you know, I don't know. It was just weird. Um, just so it messed with the tone of the movie for me. So, but it's still, uh, it's still neat to watch. Um, because it's Panama's really first official foray into a horror movie. So give it a watch. And that's all I got. So let's get out of here, guys. Tammy, where can people find you? Right here on our horror cast page or as myself, Tammy Turner, Taminator on Facebook. All right. And how about you, Mr. Revenant Vin? I'm Vin Horrorcast on Facebook. My blog is The Revenant Review. And the other blog is uh, scavsandotherthings.wordpress.com. All right. Well, you can uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, it's just the Horrorcast group page. If you ask nicely, we will let you in. You can also follow me at Mark Nato Lehue on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter at the HCast and on Instagram at the Horrorcast. Uh, if you still want to send us an email, uh, if you still do that sort of thing, you can do so at AskTheHorrorcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Well, that's it for episode 96 in the horror cast where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared. <laughs>